Welcome to the Hope Church Memphis podcast. To learn more about hope and our weekend worship opportunities, visit hopechurchmemphis.com. Today's message comes from Senior Pastor Rufus Smith. Apple has a game called Pocket God. Pocket God is a game in which you, the player, are the omnipotent deity, the omnipotent, all-powerful God, and you rule over a particular island, an island inhabited by primitives. And as this God, you can give life or you can take life. You can choose to be benevolent or you can choose to be vengeful or you can choose to use the primitives for entertainment. When you're benevolent, it means that you're going to give these primitives rods and reels or fishing equipment so they can feed their own families and be self-sustaining. If you wanted to be vengeful, you would call a hurricane from the waters and watch them suffer. Or you can enjoy them uh, in entertainment by making them levitate above the earth, whichever your choice is. It is interesting that the creators of Pocket God have given the player more options to be vengeful than benevolent. And I ask myself the question, was it because the creators see God as more vengeful or benevolent? Or are they conveying what they believe most people see God as, as more vengeful than benevolent? They did not answer the question. But it is still a curious one for us today. And so when we talk about Jonah, this book that we're going to look at today, Jonah was more vengeful than merciful. Jonah wanted more justice than mercy and compassion, though he knew God was just the opposite. Let's take a look at uh, this particular passage as we continue our study on the way, as we are making a spiritual road trip this summer through the Old Testament and following God's way. Because Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is another way that seems right to a man, a woman, but the end thereof is death or destruction. So let's pause in Nineveh here today. We're reading, the Lord gave this message to Jonah, the son of Amite, Mita, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa, be near Tel Aviv today, where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish which would be near Spain today. He bought a ticket and he went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. But the Lord 
hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Hmm. Nineveh was the capital city of Assyria. Assyria in that day was uh, the superpower of the Mediterranean era. They ruled violently. And God told Jonah, I want you to give them a message. Jonah, being a prophet, recognizing that God controls history, knew that Nineveh could not ascend without God allowing it. And he did not like the fact that Nineveh was ascending and Israel was descending because of their rebellion against Jehovah, his word, and his will. He didn't like that God was allowing Nineveh to ascend because Jesus Christ controls world history. I take consolation in that. And he controls our History. I love what Benjamin Franklin has said during the Constitution, um, uh, during the country, a continental Constitution, when the country was being formed uh, in his early 80s. Benjamin Franklin said this, and I quote, I have lived, sir, a long time. And the longer I live, the more convincing proofs I see that God governs the affairs of men. And if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, is it probable that a nation can rise without his aid? Psalm 127, the sacred scripture says that except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Unless the Lord build the city, they watch but labor in vain. I firmly believe this, sir. Both Jonah and Benjamin Franklin knew that Jesus Christ controlled history, and Jonah did not like it. In fact, he disliked it so much that God said to him, I want you to go to Nineveh, and I want you to tell them to repent, or in 40 days, I'll destroy the city. Nineveh was north, east, and up. Jonah bought a ticket, called a ship to go south, west, and down. How more opposite can you do? 2,000 miles in the wrong direction. It would be as if God said to me and you, go to Washington, D.C. And I decided, no, I'm going to Mexico City. And that's exactly what Jonah did. He went the opposite. So my text today is, am I like Jonah? Am I? Here's the sermon in a sentence. Jonah's hatred was intentional, although hatred can be incidental. Hatred is described as the misuse or disuse of resources, the misuse or disuse of resources that would impact another person's life. Jonah had the ability to impact a nation's life 
which he did not like, and therefore he disused the gift that God had given to him. So let's take a look at Jonah here today. Number one, Jonah was scripturally knowledgeable. He was scripturally knowledgeable. Of course, he was a prophet. And when he decided to go southwest and down, though God told him to go north, east, and up, the Bible says that God hurled a storm on the sea. And the shipmen, who were very experienced, not seen a storm like this, asked everybody, the captain, to pray to their God. Jonah was not doing that. When they got to him, uh, they said to him, you need to be praying to your God. Jonah, in effect, says, well, I don't need to because I'm the problem. He was scripturally knowledgeable. Let's see what he said. They answered him. Uh, he answered them, I am a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of heavens, who made this sea and the dry land. So they said to him, what should we do with, uh, do to you so that the sea will calm down for us? For the sea is getting worse and worse. Listen to what he said. Pick me up, throw me in the sea so that it will calm down for you. <clears throat> for I know that I'm to blame for this great storm that is against you. Isn't that amazing? Jonah knew he was scripturally knowledgeable. Am I like Jonah? Am I? Are there things that I know scripturally, but I don't want to do? I may be talking to somebody here who needs to release a child, and you're enabling them. I may be also talking to somebody who needs to reconcile with a child. Because they have hurt you, you have created distance. Maybe I'm talking to somebody who needs to resign from a job because it's not for you or your family's overall well-being. Or maybe I'm talking to someone who needs to reconcile with their employer and remain at their job until God opens more doors. Or maybe... I'm talking to somebody who needs to release a negative or toxic friendship because you know it is not developing you to your highest potential. Or maybe you need to reconcile with a friend and forgive them because of something they have done to hurt you in the past. You and I can be scripturally knowledgeable and still not do what God wants me to do. Jonah was like that. He didn't want to do it. Let me suggest to us, everything that God wants you to do, you won't want to do it. Everywhere he wants you to go, you won't want to go. Every person that he wants you to minister to, you won't want to do it. But it does not mean God is not telling you to do it. And Jonah says, I'm not going to do it. Am I like Jonah? Am I? Here's a second. Jonah was willfully prejudiced against some of God's creation. Willfully prejudiced. The word means to prejudge. It means to have preconceived ideas. All of us are subject to 
preconceived ideas. When it comes to prejudice, we're not just talking about racially or ethnic prejudices or prejudgments. You can have prejudices regionally against North and South. Here in the South, we call people from the North, we got a word, we call them um, Yankees. That's right. And we have a preconceived idea of who they are. That's prejudging. That's being prejudiced. Some of us are prejudiced, younger people, against people of age. Can't you hurry up through the line? What's taking you so long? I used to be prejudiced against age until I started marching toward chronological maturity. (laughs) Now I have a whole lot more compassion for those who are aging. Some of us have prejudice against sports teams. Uh Uh-huh, you root for University of Tennessee, some for University of Memphis. You may root for Mississippi State, others for Ole Miss. You may root for Alabama, some against Auburn. You have regional and sports prejudices. I was bused in the fifth, sixth, and seventh grade to an all-white school. And in the seventh grade, I entered a uh, talent show where every student had to do it. They made us do it. And uh, so I entered the talent show, and I chose the same. Not because I could, but I didn't know how to juggle. I couldn't tell jokes, none of that. So by default, I chose to sing a song. We had five teachers that were judging, and I promise you, the only reason I won was because they prejudged and were shocked at the song I chose to sing. Here I am, a black boy, and I started singing the song. It was the 3rd of June, another sleepy, dusty, dirty day. I was out chopping cotton and my brother was baling hay. And at dinner time, we stopped and walked back to the house to eat. And mama hollered out the back door, y'all remember to wipe your feet. Some of y'all too long, too old, or too young to remember old to Billy Joe. Y'all remember that? And look. I could see the judges were shocked that I would even knew that song. You know why? Prejudice, prejudged, preconceived ideas that a boy with my background would even know that song, let alone sing it. Am I like Jonah? Am I? Well, it gets worse than that for Jonah. Jonah was not just prejudiced, he hated, he hated the Ninevites. He hated their people, he hated their culture. He hated what God, what God was doing with them because he knew they were the world power and eventually would conquer Israel, which they did in 722, and he wanted more justice than mercy. Jonah hated. Remember, it's the misuse or disuse of resources. And let me give us a clue. When we disagree with somebody or we're talking to people about sensitive issues, particularly when it comes to race, ethnicity, and other people, try to use the biblical word 
We use the word racist. You know what the Bible uses? Hatred. We use the word racist or terrorist or supremacist. The Bible calls it hatred. It's not loving people like God has loved us. It is misusing or disusing resources, giving financial resources, intellectual resources, other human resources that we know will impact another person's life. Jonah did not want to do that. And as a result, he was guilty of wanting more justice than mercy or compassion. Jonah saw the world much smaller than God saw the world. He was more of a nationalist than a universalist. He, he, he didn't see that God was more global in his thinking than particular in his thinking of a nation as much as he chose and loved Israel. Am I like Jonah? Am I? 1 John 4.20 says this, if anyone says, I love God, and yet what? Wake up the person next to you. And yet hates his brother or sister, he is a liar. For the person who does not love his brother or sister, whom he has, or who, love, who does not love his brother or sister, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. Here's the second one, Proverbs 10, 12. Hatred stirs up conflicts, but love conquers all offenses. Here's the last one, 1 John 3. This is how we have come to know love. He, Jesus, laid down his life for us. We should also lay down our lives for other brothers and sisters. If I say I love God and has this world's goods and yet withhold compassion from him or her, how does God's love reside in him? Little children, let us not love in word or speech, but in action and what? In truth. Jonah didn't do that. Nineveh repented and Jonah resented. Nineveh repented and Jonah resented. When he gave this message, they repented. So after they hurled him in the storm or in the sea because of the storm, God had prepared a great fish to come and swallow Jonah up. And after he was there for three days and three nights, he gave the fish retroactive dysentery and it vomited up Jonah on dry land. And he ran to Nineveh to give the message and said, 40 days, repent, uh, God will destroy you. They repented. In fact, let's read the account. On the day that Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowd, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. The people of Nineveh believed God's message. And from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. When the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne, took off his royal robes, and he dressed himself 
in burlap and set on a heap of ashes, symbolic of deep sorrow, regret, and remorse. Then the king and his nobles sent this decree throughout the city. No one, not even the animals, from your herds and your flocks may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals alike must wear garments for mourning, and everyone must pray earnestly to their God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all the violence. Watch this. Who can tell? Perhaps even yet God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. When God saw that they had what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. You see, God wants to be far more benevolent than vengeful, far more compassionate than just. He's both. They repented. Jonah resented. Watch this. This change of plans greatly delighted Jonah. Did I misread that? Greatly what? And he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say this before I left home, that you would do this, Lord? This is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. We get a little bit more insight into chapter 1 as God gave instructions. Jonah rebelled because, as he said, I, I knew it. That's why I didn't do it. I knew it. That's why I didn't do it. I knew that you are more compassionate than you are just. I knew you were giving them an out. And I didn't want to give them that out. I knew it. That's why I didn't do it. Am I like Jonah? Am I? Isn't there things that I, I God, I, I knew if you had, I, I didn't want, I knew if you said go, I, I, I knew it. That's why I didn't do it. Yeah. He resented it. He resented it. Here's the last point. Jonah had a blind spot, a spiritual blind spot. He was spiritually blind to the grace in his life but ungracious toward others. He was spiritually blind. He wanted grace in his life, but he didn't want that same grace for people he didn't like. Here's what he says. And the Lord arranged for a leafy plant to grow there. As Jonah was outside the city, obviously he didn't feel welcome in Nineveh, so he found lodging outside the city. God provided the leafy plant to grow there. It spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head, shading him from the what? From the sun. And this eased his discomfort. And Jonah was very grateful for the plant. But God also arranged for a worm. The next morning at dawn, the worm ate through the stem of the plant so that it withered away and the sun grew hot. God arranged for a scorching east wind to come and blow on Jonah. 
The sun beat down on his head until he grew faint and wished to die. Death is certainly better than living like this, he exclaimed. And then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? Yes, Jonah retorted. You have been, yes, even angry enough to die. Then the Lord says, you feel sorry about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and it died quickly. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? Can you see Jonah? God had prepared this plant to come up. Archaeologists tell us it takes about 90 days for that plant to grow up. God grew it overnight. And Jonah was grateful, not having to sleep in the sun. But then the next day, he sent a worm that destroyed the plant. And now the sun was beating on his head. Y'all need to be honest with yourself, because I know I have. And God says, is it right for you to be angry? Yes, he said. I don't care. I want to die. And then God said to him, you're angry about the plant, aren't you? It's a plant. You cared about it? Shouldn't I care about these people? But he had a spiritual blind spot. Am I like Jonah? Am I? Is there some area where I'm spiritually blind? Where I need to repent, return, change my belief, change my behavior? Is it? I'll close with this. Imagine me leaving Hope Church today and driving home down Walnut Grove and I happen to see Jesus on the other side of the street. You know what I'm going to do? <clears throat> I'm going to go as quick as I can and make a U-turn, stop by him, get out of my car, open the back door and say, Lord, you don't need to walk. Ride with me. You know what I believe he'll say? Rufus, uh, I don't ride in the back. I say, Lord, wait a minute, great men and women ride in the back. Kings and queens ride in the back. Princes and potentates ride in the back. He says, ah, but I don't ride in the back. So I quickly closed the back door, and then I would go to the side door, and I would say, God, ride on the side. I believe he said, mm, I don't ride on the side. I say, but Lord, wait a minute, people I love ride on the side. Those nearest and dearest me, they ride on the side. But I believe he say, mm, not me. I don't ride on the side. Then I scratch my head and I say, God, if you don't want to ride in the back and if you don't want to ride on the side, where do you want to ride? You know what I believe he'll say? Give me the keys. <laughs> because if I'm going to ride, I've got to do the driving. And guess what he'll do? He will turn me around and take me in the right direction. Now, if you're here today, I promise you that if you repent before God, whatever blind spot you may have, if you let him do the driving in whatever area you've been going in the opposite direction, he will turn that situation around. Amen. Am I like Jonah? Am I? 
Let's pray together. Oh, gracious God, our Father. Thank you that these 48 verses, a very short book, 15, 20 minutes to read. In these 48 verses, you remind us afresh that you are a God of compassion and justice and mercy. You're both, but you prefer compassion. That you are a God who's more universalist than nationalist. You are a God who looks and cares for people globally, not just a particular locale. Help us to learn the lesson like Jonah and not disuse or misuse the resources you have given us in order to impact other people's lives. Open our eyes to spiritual blind spots we may have, particularly as it relates to prejudging and preconceived ideas about people. And help us to be available to offer compassion and not just justice. We thank you for being who you are and showing grace in our lives when we have rebelled. May we also show that same grace in others' lives when they have rebelled or hurt us. In the name of the King of kings and Lord of lords, even Jesus our Savior, do we pray and praise you. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Hope Church Memphis podcast. I'm Daniel Oppenheisen, musical worship director. If you were encouraged by today's message, hit subscribe wherever you stream your podcast. To experience previous messages, videos, and our live worship service, visit our YouTube channel and follow us on Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram.